0: Well, thank you all for being here today. As I mentioned earlier, we are beginning a new message series this morning called Kingdom Come, and this is our lead up to Easter message series. Um, this is our message series where we're going to cover the events, some of the events that take place during what's sometimes referred to as Holy Week. It's this Sunday to Sunday period leading up to Easter and um, about 50% of what's written in the Gospels, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is dedicated to this. This gracious spring is upon us. It's nice and sunny out, it's still cold, but it's sunny. Is everybody excited for Easter yeah. and spring yeah. and flowers and t shirts and shorts? Yes, we're so excited. Yes, some of us never stop wearing shorts, though, right? What a wonderful season we're in very excited, so different than it was three years ago. I think it's important for us to celebrate where we are right now and to think about how much better things are than they were three years ago, but at the same time, I don't want to ignore the fact that we have all been through a lot. Three years ago on March 15th, that's the eyes of March, right, we had our last worship service over at the Barnstormer's Theater before everything got shut down. Remember what that was like? Does it feel like ancient history just three years ago? And we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how serious this COVID thing was. We didn't know how long these restrictions would last. And um, it was a real bummer, to say the least. You know, from our perspective... As a church, we were preparing this very big move, right? And so we were going to move into this building, leave the Barnstormers Theater, and move into this building. And we were getting all ready for that Easter Sunday. We were going to have our first worship service in this space, and so really looking forward to that. And it was really like seven years of build-up, yes, talking about this and getting excited about it. And here we go, and it's about to happen. And all of a sudden, whew, it was taken from us. We all went through a lot during that pandemic time. And it's not ancient history, it just happened, and we're still healing from it. It was tough as a church, go through that time of not being able to gather, and, and all the wondering, and there was a lot of anger that got stirred up, and complaints, and criticism, and confusion, and relationships were strained, some relationships were broken, and it was a very difficult time for, for our family. And, and just when I thought we'd seen the worst of it, my mom got COVID, and she died. It's so like this was a real thing. And we all have our COVID stories. We all have our pandemic stories. And let's not do the thing where we compare our pandemic stories and try to see who had it worse. You know how people do that kind of thing? Why don't we do that? Whoever had it worse wins. Why do, that's the, like the worst competition ever. <laughs> but we all have our pandemic stories. And some of you missed out on your, your big graduation day. And some of you had to change your, the date of your wedding. And some of you got sick. Some of you lost loved ones. Some of you are suffering right now from long-term effects of COVID. And so it's a real thing. And so, yes, let's celebrate where we are, but let's not ignore the fact that we are still healing from everything that we've been through, aren't we? We're still healing from this. It was traumatic, and let's not pretend. Let's not pretend that it wasn't. During the darkest days of the pandemic, there was a lot of talk in the Christian community about the end of the world. And people were wondering, is this it? Is this the end of the world? Is this the time where Jesus comes back? And for those of you who are newer to Christianity, this idea, this belief that Jesus is coming back, this is not some fringe thing. This is like a big thing. It's one of our major beliefs that Jesus is coming back, and he will end this old world, and he will make a new world, and all things will be made new, and all things will be made perfect. And so a lot of Christians were wondering during the dark days of the pandemic, is this it? Is this when Christ will return? And I get it. It was a very difficult time. And so people were wondering. You know, we have books of prophecy, and people think of the book of Revelation. Yes, that does tell about end times. But beyond just the book of Revelation, we have books of prophecy in the Old Testament. We have Isaiah. We have Ezekiel. We have Daniel that speaks a lot about end times. And then we have Jesus himself who tells us what to look for towards the end of this age, the end of this world. There's pestilence, there's disease, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's natural disasters. And so, during the dark days of the pandemic, some Christians were saying, I think this is it. I think this is it. Maybe you were one of those Christians who thought, I think this is it. Maybe this is the time of his return. Now, we know, you know, if you've read the Bible, feel some what Jesus has to say. We know that no one is going to know the day or the hour. That's what Jesus says. No one knows the day or the hour. But so many people, so many Christians thought, ah, I think... I think this is it. I think Jesus is about to return. As people would would bring that belief to me or as they would express that to me, as they would say, you know, I think this is it. I think Jesus is about to return. I started to ask them a question back. And the question was, do you think Jesus is about to return? Or do you want Jesus to return? Have you interpreted the signs and say, you know what? I don't think things could get much worse, so I think this is it. Or is it more a matter of, I want this to be it. I want Jesus to return. Because if you're just looking at the signs, yes, what we went through during the pandemic was bad. But if you step back from a global perspective and a historic perspective, you like, wow, things have been a lot worse. I mean, you think about the time of the Second World War. You think about the Holocaust. You think about the Black Plague. You think about all these points in history where it was a whole lot worse than than what we experienced. And so that was the question that I began to ask back. Do you think Jesus is coming back, or is it that you want him to come back? And if you want him to come back, is there anything wrong with that? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's just a question. Do you think he's coming back, or do you want him to come back? Back in 2008, that was when the, uh, what do they call it, the housing bubble burst and the economy was, it was in bad shape. Do you remember this? That might feel like ancient history. And so at that time, Holly and I, we were at our old church. We were at a different church, and we were at a Bible study during this time, and um, there were a lot of people in that study. We were like the youngest people in that study except for one other person, right? And so there was a lot of people like who had money and who lost money in the housing bubble when it burst. So uh, we got to talking one night in this Bible study about the end of the world and the return of Jesus, and uh, everybody in the study just said, yeah, bring it on. We're ready. We are ready for Jesus to come back. Bring it on. We are ready. Except for one one girl, the only person who was younger than Holly and I in that room. There was a high school girl in this Bible study. She raised her hand. She said, what about people who aren't saved yet? What about them? I mean, do we care about them? Are we okay with all of them just going to hell? I mean, it was a showstopper. <laughs> Because here we are, a bunch of people thinking, yeah, it'd be great if Jesus came back. It would be great if Jesus came back because we'd be out of this present suffering that we're in, yes? Because we're going through a tough time right now, and we want to be out of it. So Jesus, come on back. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about the people who, who don't know Jesus as their Savior yet? And so I think it's, listen, friends, I think it's a good thing to have that desire in our hearts to want Jesus to come back. But if you want Jesus to come back, the question is, well, Why? Do you want Jesus to return just because you're going through some kind of temporary suffering? And I think that was the case for a lot of people during the pandemic. For us, it was the worst thing we ever went through. For so many people in this room, that pandemic was the worst thing we've ever experienced. And so it's natural for us to call out to Jesus and say, we want relief from this, from our temporary sufferings. People were losing their jobs, people were getting sick, relationships were strained, The government was putting restrictions on us, and we just wanted relief from all of that. So, of course, we cry out, we cry out to Jesus. But there's an important thing to keep in mind, that Jesus, his agenda, Jesus, his plan, it's so much bigger, so much bigger than just relieving a group of people from from temporary suffering. It's got a much bigger plan, a much bigger agenda. See if we can make some sense of this. Let's take a look our scripture passage for today, that really fun, uplifting passage that Lori read for us. And if you have your Bible with you, we're in Luke 19. I'm going to start a few verses ahead. Luke, Luke 19. I'm going to start with verse 37. And just so you know where we are in the timeline, I mean, Jesus has been at his ministry for a three, three and a half years at this point, okay? And so at this point in time, he has performed... Many miracles at this point in time, he has taught the masses at this point in time, he has accumulated a following. And so just maybe weeks or a couple months before this event, uh, Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead, which was his biggest miracle to date up to that point in time. And so people were putting their faith in him, people were putting their belief in him, but the religious establishment had already decided they needed to stop Jesus. So the members of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had already decided that they needed to put this to its end. And so the people at this point, they loved Jesus, the religious establishment did not. So Jesus, during the Passover celebration, we'll talk about that a little bit more next week, during this Passover celebration, they enter into Jerusalem, they begin to make their way into Jerusalem, and people begin to shout. People begin to begin to celebrate, and they take palm leaves, and they start to wave, them and they say, Hosanna! Lord, save us. That's what Hosanna means. Lord, save us. Lord, save us right now. Lord, save us now. That's what Hosanna means. They're waving these palms and they're celebrating. Here he comes and he's riding on a donkey. And it's like, hey, this is just like the old days of King David riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. What a celebration. And they wanted so much from Jesus because the Israelites at this time, they were oppressed. They were an oppressed people and rome the the roman government the roman empire was oppressing them they were taxing them they were putting them in prison and they were mistreating them and these israelites just wanted relief from their suffering they just wanted relief Now, can't it be like the old days when the israel was the superpower of the world can't we get that back because we really liked that and that was great can't we get back to that point and so what they see in Jesus, they see, they see hope, they see potential, they see a rescuer, someone who can rescue them from their political oppression and their poverty. And so here comes Jesus, and they begin to celebrate, yes, Hosanna, Hosanna, he comes into the city, verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They said, Jesus, quiet down the people. Keep them quiet. If the Roman soldiers hear all this ruckus, if they hear this commotion, they're going to come down and they're going to quiet us. And we don't want that to happen. So keep it down. Don't stir up any trouble, Jesus. Tell your disciples to be quiet. I tell you, Jesus replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Listen, friends, this is happening, and there's no stopping it. And as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, and he wept over it. All this celebration. Yay, here comes Jesus. He makes his way to the city, and instead of giving a big speech, and a big, let's go get him, he starts to weep. He weeps over the city and he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. This was a group of people who were suffering and they could not see beyond their own pain. They could not see beyond their own discomfort. They could not see beyond their own oppression and they wanted Jesus to be their political king. Some people wanted him to be their new high priest. They wanted some kind of a relief for what they were going through. If you had only known what would bring you real peace, what would have brought you peace, but it's been hidden from your eyes. Jesus says, the days will come upon you where your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Now Jesus knows this. This is a prophecy of Jesus. And in the year 70, this actually did happen. See, the Roman government, they had extended a certain degree of of grace to the Israelites and allowed them to celebrate their holidays and allowed them to go to their temple and allowed them to have their religion and all this. But at a certain point, Rome just got sick of it. They encircled the city of Jerusalem. They tore it down. You can read up on it if you like, but it's pretty grisly. I mean, people were starving to death. There may have been acts of cannibalism. It was really horrific. It was really horrific. And so here's Jesus looking at this group of people, and he's looking at them thinking, wow, you think it's bad now? It's going to get a whole lot worse. They will not leave one stone or another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. See, they wanted Jesus They wanted him to be their king. They wanted him to to end their, their present suffering. But Jesus had a much bigger agenda. Jesus did not come to save this one group of people from one political oppressor. Jesus had something much bigger in mind, a much bigger mission. Jesus came into this world to save all people from hell. Did I hit that word hard enough? Did I get your attention? You know, people like me, preachers, we can back off that word and say, you know, Jesus came to save us from, you know, hell. Jesus came to save us from our sins. That's a great way to say it. Jesus came to save us from death, absolutely. But let's not mince words here, folks. And if we believe what the Bible says, and we as a church, we do... If we believe that, then, then none of us human beings are, are good enough on our own to earn heaven. None of us are good enough to earn that. And so Jesus came to solve the biggest problem of all time, not just that some kind of temporary suffering. Jesus came to save us from hell. We know that, you know, the term we have saved, that's what it means. Saved from hell, eternal damnation. Do you want me to keep talking about this? No, Thank you. <laughs> Well, then read the Gospels. You know how often Jesus talks about hell? He talks about it a lot. You know why? Because he's warning people, and he's letting us know, this is why I'm here, not to save you from Rome, but to save all of humankind from eternal separation from God, eternal suffering. That's why Jesus has come into this world. So... My question for you to consider this morning is what do you want from Jesus? What do you want from Jesus? Because a lot of people three years ago wanted Jesus to rescue them from the pandemic, right? Well, how about right now? What is it that you want from Jesus? Really, think about it. You have to answer out loud. What, what do you want from him right now? You know, those of us who are struggling, I mean, there's a lot of financial trouble still happening right now. I know the pandemic was, you know, over for a while now, but there's still people who are struggling financially. Do you want Jesus to relieve that struggle? And if you do, that's okay. You're allowed to want that. Jesus cares about those things. You can pray and ask God to, to provide for your needs. Jesus cares about those things. Are you are you like ill right now? Some of you are sick. Are you asking Jesus to heal you? You can ask Jesus to heal you. You should ask Jesus to heal you. He cares about these things. But the thing I want us all to keep in mind is that Jesus, He came to save us from the biggest problem of all time. He came to save us from sin. He came to save us from hell. So just keep that in mind. That's the agenda of Jesus. That's that's what, he came, that's what he came to do. And so you might want Jesus to free you from stress, and you can pray for that. You might want Jesus to, to free you from financial hardship, and so you can pray over that. You might want Jesus to free you from sickness, so you can pray over that. You might Jesus to, want Jesus to rescue you from all these things, and that's fine. But just remember, the main thing that Jesus came to rescue you from was hell. No. That's the agenda of Jesus. And you go back to those Israelites and what they wanted from Jesus. I mean, what they wanted from him is so small compared to what Jesus came to do for them and to do for all of us. He came to rescue you and all of humankind from damnation. You know, I've thought about this recently. I feel like as a preacher, I only have one sermon. (laughs) I feel like I only have one story to tell. And it goes back, and I've talked about this so many times, but it goes back to before Hope Community Church started and how we started in the first place. And There I was, I was a pastor at my last church and was in this group of pastors and we were watching this video series. And in this video series, the question was posed, and it's a question that changed my life quite literally. And some of you know this question very well because I preach it time and time again, but the question is simply, what does God want more than anything else? What does God want more than anything else? Does Jesus want to save you from temporary troubles? Does God want to help you in in these little discomforts that you have? Sure. But what does God want more than anything else? He wants to save you and all of humankind from hell. He wants to give you and all of humankind heaven. That's what God wants more than anything else. And so, friends, it's, it's okay for us to want things from Jesus. It's okay. But here's what we need to do. We need to take what God wants more than anything else, and we need to make that the thing that we want more than anything else. Yes? I mean, so many of us people, so many of us Christians, we're looking for solutions, and we're looking to our government, and we're looking to our elected officials, and we want certain things from them, and that's fine. But well, what do we really need? We need Jesus to save us. And the consequences of our sins. So we need to learn how to make what God wants be the biggest thing in our lives and the biggest thing in our hearts. It's okay to want things from Jesus. But we have to keep in mind, what is Jesus' real agenda? What does God want more, more than anything else? Jesus, and this is what we believe, he wants to save all people. And that includes our 60,000 neighbors. There's 60,000 people right here in the Ridley-Innerbury area. And I believe that Jesus wants our 60,000 neighbors to have repeated opportunities to hear the gospel, repeated opportunities to receive Jesus as Savior. And in the end, I need us all to embrace this reality that Hope Community Church does not exist for the sake of the saved. Hope Community Church does not exist for the sake of Christians that give Christians what they want. Hope Community Church exists for the sake of giving God... What he wants and what God wants is multiple opportunities to share the gospel with all people, people who are lost. That's why we're here. This is a kind of difficult thing, I think, for some of us Christians to embrace. And we have this attitude about church. I want certain things from my church. I want certain things from the music. I want certain things from the preaching. I want certain programming. We want all these things like, okay, that's fine, but wait a minute, what does... God want. Let's be a church that concerns ourselves primarily with what God wants. We need to make what God wants bigger than what we want. Hope Community Church does not exist for the sake of the saved. Hope Community Church exists for the sake of the lost. Let me pray on that. Jesus, we believe that you are very much involved in all the details of our lives and you care about us and you want what's best for us and you love us so much. We believe this. But Father God, I pray that you would give each one of us, give all of us who are Christians, all of us who are yours, give us the willingness to sacrifice for your sake. Let us make your wants above our wants. Let us make your greatest desire more important than what we want. Father God, we pray for all the people in this world who do not yet know you. And God, you know that we're limited, you know, when we're facing troubles, when we're facing hardships, we can get so stuck in that trouble, so stuck in that hardship. But I just pray, God, that you would give us a bigger perspective. Father God, allow us, use us as you see fit to communicate the truth of your gospel with our 60,000 neighbors. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.